if I'm telling my players to get better every day, then I better be getting better every day as well for, for myself, but also for, for my players. I mean, they're going to keep asking me questions. I, I want to have the answers. Or if I don't have the answers, I want to I want to find them out. But I can't tell my players to get better every day if I'm not getting better every day as a coach. Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, your source for the most up-to-date coaching strategies for player and coaching development. I am Jonathan Gellner. Before we get started, I have a quick announcement about a giveaway that we are doing from August 10th through August 23rd. So, do you have a book in mind that you've been wanting to read but haven't bought it yet? Want to get it for free? Here's how you can. Go to Twitter and follow at AOTC underscore podcast. You have to be a follower to be eligible to win. After that, all you have to do is share a link to the podcast or any and all of your favorite episodes with the hashtag AOTC Podcast. You can also write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and DM or email me the screenshot of the review. And that's it. For every retweet and share, you will get one entry. And for a review, you will get five entries. The winner will be drawn on August 23rd and announced on Twitter and the next podcast. The winner will get to choose their next book. For today's podcast, I'm really pumped to introduce The Pitching Ninja, Coach Rob Friedman. Coach Friedman shares some insight into his must-follow Twitter account and why he started it, but we also talk about what he does with his high school pitchers on a day-to-day basis. Let's get started with this episode with Coach Rob Friedman. Hey Rob, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm extremely excited to have you on. But for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, my story with baseball is uh, mostly got into it actually through through coaching. Um, yeah, obviously played growing up, but really the quest for knowledge happened through uh, through coaching. And I don't know if you saw my background. I actually have a legal background, which doesn't help you at all with respect to, uh, to anything in life, but it, it does help with, with, uh, with the kind of the quest for knowledge and the quest to try to get everything kind of as right as you can. Um, trying to learn as much, uh, about everything regarding baseball. So you don't teach kids the wrong stuff or bad stuff. You want to be, you know, you don't, you don't want to make them worse. That would be kind of the worst thing you can do as a coach. So, uh, kind of my quest started there, uh, probably back in 2004 or five. And taking it, and taking it uh, ever since. Well, so what made you want to start this uh, quest for knowledge? Was it just because you're a coach, or was it because you had a son that was interested in baseball? My son being interested was part of it, and then part of it was because I was good with kids and teaching. Everybody wanted me to coach. I mean, everybody in the league wanted me to coach, and I'm like, okay, I'll I'll go do it. You start out teaching what you were taught, and then you're like, you know, some of this doesn't make sense. I mean, when you think back of it, when when you were when you're a kid or younger, it made sense to you. Um, but now you're, you're, uh, I guess more experienced. You start saying, well, why is that? I mean, why do you, why are you teaching that stuff? It doesn't, it seems logically that it doesn't make as much sense. Um, you know, tall and fall or things like that with respect to, to pitching. Well, I mean, what if I'm a, a shorter player and I can't really use my height, um, and, and, and use the mound as well. What if I'm a taller player and have a lot of advantages? Um, why does everybody have to throw the same? And those st- things started uh, started really confusing me, and I tried to find the answers as, mu- as best I could. 
because again I didn't want to mess anybody up. And so where are you coaching now? Well, now I'm coaching for uh, Paideia High School as a pitching coach. And where is Paideia High School? It is in Atlanta. Well, I think you are probably most famous for your Twitter account, at least uh, for the people outside of Atlanta. So tell us about how your Twitter account got started, what prompted you, and and what makes you continuously put out just the great uh, pitching video. Sure. Um, So what prompted me is... Because I was kind of on this this quest for knowledge, a quest to learn everything over you know a number of years before I got on on Twitter, um, just arguments back and forth, uh, you know discussions. People have really strong opinions on on pitching, but you tend to learn a lot through through seeing those arguments. And and I had you know a bunch of knowledge that I'd gained through that, and I felt like I didn't want it to stop with either my kid. Um, my, the kids that I coached directly, um, the parents that I interacted with directly, I wanted to somehow share it with everybody else, almost as a thank you for for learning from from everybody else over the years. But um, I felt like I could have a different way of looking at things, um, a different way of challenging things, uh, and and learned a lot and wanted to make sure that it kind of didn't die with me and instead got to got to as many people as as could. Oh, and I love that. And you're, you put out so much video a day. I'd like to know what your daily process is of, of just how you make time to do that. Um, it's, it's actually pretty regimented. Uh, it, a lot of times, I mean, it, it kind of depends. So sometimes it'll be, you know, I'm watching a game and want to see something that's, I see something that's a little unusual or see something that's funny and I'll put it out there at the time or see some mechanics that I think are interesting and put it out there. Other times I'm just thinking of a problem. I have a kid that I'm working with. And he throws like a certain pitcher, so I'm gonna I'm looking through games and trying to find uh, some things that I can show the kid about. Hey, this is this is the way this guy gets it done. You know, you don't necessarily move exactly like him, but you may want to try certain things. Um, you may want to try this grip. Um, there's you know a bunch of different grips for curveballs, or a bunch bunch of different uh, ways of releasing it. Things that that come up in my mind at the time, I just want to go search. And it's one of those things that you go down rat holes sometimes. I'll be looking for something on Chris Sale and end up at Max Scherzer. Uh, sometimes I just get, you know, just out of admiration for the way a guy does something. I will, uh, I'll go down that rat hole. But other times it's trying to figure out what makes them tick. Um, a lot of stuff I like to do is also on the mental game of it, which is, you know, the physical stuff. You can moving like somebody may be hard for you, but you can think like them sometimes. Um, and maybe some players think differently than others. I mean, some pay- players are more aggressive, some are less aggressive, some like the limelight, some some don't. And there's usually a mindset for everybody. And if you can find someone you relate to, it it usually helps you think your way through the situation a little better to me. Um, and it's been, it really connects well with kids. And I'll have them read through a bunch of mental game stuff, just the quotes that I have. And I have that ebook up on Twitter that I'd give, you know, give out free for everybody. But if you find, I say, you know, pick out, pick out like five of them that really that make, that seem like it's you. And, um, and then you start saying, Hey, you know, I really relate to, to David Price or Marcus Stroman or Max Scherzer or whoever. And it, it and it helps the kids in, in tough situations say, well, how would these guys handle it? We talk about the game being so, so mental that, we spend a whole lot of time practicing the the physicality of it, and not admu- not enough time spending it on the uh, on the mentality of it. So, I love those uh, that you put out, and and I was actually at uh, the TCU baseball clinic this uh, the B- TCU baseball coaches clinic this winter, 
and they gave you a shout out and, and they said that they constantly have those uh, those memes going uh, throughout their player development center. So like all throughout the day, they're reading those. That, that's that's fantastic because that's, you know, again, why I like to make this stuff you know, out there for free because some people don't either. They don't know where to find it. They don't read articles. They don't watch videos. And I try to make time for it in the morning to to sort through as many things as I can. I have a process of you know, different pitchers that I, I try to follow because I know they usually are very thoughtful, think about a lot of things about the game. And then there are some that every once in a while I'll read an article and I never thought they said anything interesting before in their life. And all of a sudden something really, you know, they, they said something that made sense and that I just decided to put out there. But I, I've seen a lot of schools use it, a lot of colleges use it, which I think is, you know, is fantastic. And other players, even some professional players, when they sit there and, they, and I use one of their quotes, they're like, like I made it. Like, well, you, know, you made it a long time ago, but, but uh, that's awesome. <laughs> but it's cool. Well, that definitely keeps you humble whenever you're throwing that stuff out there, and, and major league guys are replying that I made it. So that's that's really cool. I didn't know that story. Yeah, it keeps me humble, or, or makes my ego big, as as my kid would say. So was there somebody in particular that did that? Um, I've tried, got into a conversation with Jamie Moyer over some of his quotes. I know that he follows me on on uh, on Twitter. So you must uh, be showing how. I, uh, how uh, hard his fastball was being thrown. <laughs> he he is. I mean, I actually read his book, and he his mental approach was fantastic. I mean, he learned directly from Dorfman, who's one of the best mental guys, maybe the best mental guy uh, ever. And just the way he went about things, and the toughness that he showed, um, and the stuff that he struggled with. I mean, the book goes into it a lot. His struggles with uh, confidence and. and things like that and, and the way he was over able to overcome it i think that's you bring up a, a great point that people teach the physicality of it and don't teach the mental part and they really interact a lot i mentioned chris l chris l i think puts a lot of pressure on himself and it helps him perform he wants that pressure i'm sure wants that pressure other people want no pressure on him and they perform better by just being an athlete so it's it, it depends but also see how it helps the physicality of it. if you can either put pressure or take pressure off you you can perform better as an athlete so let's get into the player development piece a little bit. Uh, what is your process in deciding what a pitcher that you're working with needs to work on? Um, great question. I don't come in it, into it with any preconceived notions. Uh, I, I don't have a cookie cutter approach, for example. I may look at, uh, I'm trying to think, some, some taller, lankier kids that have been moving athletically. And that's really my first step is to get them to be more explosive and to, to move more athletically. I may there may be some uh, athletic kids that that need to kind of slow down um, or move faster. I mean it's it's just it just really depends. It, but but I think the big thing is actually going into it with kind of an objective way of looking at things, and that's the key to coaching in general. I think is is be honest and and have a real objective view on 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 things without being putting your own personal bias. Um, so that's really where where I go in is, is I just I just I'll shut up. And watch them do what they do, and then say, "Hey, have you ever thought about this?" And usually, it's best if it's their idea. I mean, if you if you kind of coax it out of them rather than drill it into them, um, you want them to have ownership of whatever you're doing mechanically, or or mentally, either way. So I'm guessing that you ask them a lot of different questions. I will, but mo- and and non-intimidating questions. Usually, it's more, um, and I think this is something I, I tend to do well because I'm kind of a big kid at heart anyway. And um, it's one reason why I like coaching is you can have an impact on on people by not telling them what to do, but modeling what to do and being a, a, a good role model, but not one that 
is unapproachable. I mean, I want to hear what's what's going on in their life. I want to hear what I don't want to be intimidated by talking to an adult. I'd rather than think of them as kind of a big brother type thing and say, hey, so, you know, have you tried this? Have you thought about this? Does this feel good? If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. I mean, if this is if you want to try this, this is the way so and so does it. This picture here's here's some video of them. But if it if it doesn't seem like it works for you, don't do it. Or maybe try this. And so, what are some of the most common problems that you see with kids? It's the wanting to get really good without putting in the work. It's it's they want to be an athlete, they want to be a, a pitcher or a hitter or whatever it is. They would just want to be good and they want a quick fix. And to me. There is no quick fixes. I've ne- I've never situation where somebody does something and all of a sudden it's an X mile an hour difference in their in their fastball. It usually takes some time and it's it's about doing getting better every day, getting one percent or half a percent better every day, improving every day, and after a while, after a year, it it adds up. But I have too many people that come to me and say, "Hey, I worked on what you told me to do, and and all of a sudden I I know my dad told me I'm throwing like five miles an hour faster." I'm like, "Okay." Let's break out the radar gun. And nope, it's the same speed. But it's everybody thinks that there's a, a quick fix. Um, and that, I think, is, is uh, probably the, one of the bigger problems. Anybody that's successful knows how hard it is you need to work and how you don't accept failure. And I think a lot of people don't know how much work they have to put in to get where they need to go. The other thing, the last thing, is probably just overall athleticism. I think, the, think people think pitching mechanics, so I have to move – a, B, C, you know, stay tall, go down, lift my leg. Um, and they think of it way too mechanically, and they think pitching is different from throwing. Um, it is in some some respects, but mostly it's about being an athlete. And uh, the best athletes, uh, the people that move most athletically tend to be tend to be the better pitchers. But I think a lot of people are taught incorrectly, or they or they're just they listen to intently. They think that this is the way you have to do it since you're sitting on a pile of dirt that you have to throw a different way than you would throw if you're standing at shortstop or throwing with your friends. So the athleticism, I think, is a, is a big thing and strength. You know, I see that a lot as well. Like you said, just being too mechanical and there's not a lot of things that you can do that you slow down and you get better at it, if that makes right. sense. Yes, um, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, almost anything balance-wise, if you slow down, you actually are are, are, are a lot worse at it. There's a dynamic balance that you have. Dynamic movements uh, tend to be better, more in control. You talked about uh, putting a plan into place after helping the kid to realize what that plan is. Now, how do you evaluate whether that is a good plan and whether it's working or whether you need to make some adjustments? Um, Usually, it's, it's, it's a iterative process where you're just you're you're seeing the kid you're you're they can send me and i work with kids who i coached a while back and who are changed states and they'll, they'll send me video of them and, and i'll say yeah that's not as good as you think it is right now you may be getting it done but you may need to need to improve but it's really just hearing back from the from the player and getting honest assessments go and watch them pitch sometimes i mean i'll, I'll go up to other people's games and if it's one of my players that are they're pitching and see how they're doing and just just getting feedback but a lot of it's measurable with with you know some a lot of people need strength work so you can know they can send you how much how much they're lifting and and if they're hitting their targets of gaining weight that's a that's a measurable thing and uh and then some of it is you know throwing pain free are you uh, how are you how do you feel you know are you sore are you do you, do you feel like this is working for you uh, so it's it's just staying in touch and 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 understanding that and having an open communication 
So how do you individualize training with multiple kids? You said that there are tall pitchers and short pitchers, athletic pitchers, non-athletic pitchers. And so obviously individualization is a key component in what you teach. But how do you do it with a lot of different kids? Um, yeah, that's that's you just have to separate them them out. And I, I treat every single pitcher as an individual. I don't have a set way of of going about teaching pitching mechanics. I do. I mean, I've, I've, I have things that I will try with them. I have a toolbox of ideas and concepts that I've gotten over the years that uh, some work for some, some work for others. And, you know, I, I, I have an idea of how they sh- how they would move, but I, I'll separate them out. And, and if they're playing, if they're warming up or or throwing with each other, I'll say, hey, remember, we talked about this. You and and, and the other the other kid will just be working on something totally different because um, I don't believe that there's one way to to get it done. And they know. I mean, I, I, I will I will compare them. I'll say, you know, hey, you can't really throw like like Sam over there. You're just not you're not made the same way. Um, but you do this really well. And if you use your, if, if you use your, your speed and athleticism to throw, you're going to throw harder than, than, than him who happens to be really tall. But so they take pride. I, I give them a persona and a, an identity and, and a roadmap of kind of ideas of where to go. And they're all, I mean, it's, it's all just, just totally different and, and it just works. I mean, if you tell them, if you, if, if you give them that identity and they know kind of what they're, an objective view of what they are when they're warming up or when they're throwing in a bullpen, they just do different. They, they end up taking on that identity and they're, they're able to do it. So let me ask you this question. Uh, you said mm-hmm. you are a high school coach and a uh, instructional coach just on the side. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with uh, your pitchers during practice? Like, can you give us a rundown of what that looks like from, you know, stretch and catch and just go into it right after that? Okay. I mean, sometimes we will do, uh, it depends on the day. I mean, we will do some weighted ball training. Uh, I actually have a I have two mounds in my basement and a and a plyo wall and a, a bunch of weighted balls and plyo and plyo balls, as well as a set of weights and everything else. They'll come over and we'll have some folks working on on a plyo wall, some folks working on lower half drills, for example, all individualized for them. Um, then other days at the field. Yeah, we'll do our typical bullpens, but usually there's a there's there's a philosophy behind the bullpen. Sometimes I've done things like distracted bullpens, where you know some of my players I noticed were having a hard time with either fans at 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 other schools getting their heads, or parents getting in their heads, or coaches yelling at them getting their heads. So uh, we work on things during bullpens where we wouldn't have pitchers intentionally distract their their teammates. You know, stand right near them and get and get in their face and try to try to make them mess up while they were still trying to hit targets and whoever won would would uh would get something or or actually whoever lost would would get penalized with something and we'd either throw foam balls at them or something like that but it, it, it just really depends on what i'm seeing out there a lot of times what i think they need to improve on as a team sometimes uh you know the, the distraction thing happened to be a team issue that people were that a lot of people were having that issue um, and then other things is just individualized, and somebody may be doing wrist weights the whole practice, or you know, a lot of the practice, just to, just for working on arm path stuff. They just weren't moving; they didn't feel like they were moving efficiently. It didn't look like they were moving that efficiently. Their lower half was going well, so we'd work on arm and clean up arm path. And using overweighted stuff tends to tends to make your arm move a little bit more efficiently because it has to. It's pulling it's pulling more weight. So I guess that's a, a easy way or a hard a long about way of saying that uh, it really depends on what I'm seeing. Seeing what problems with my pitchers, 
and uh, and it's all individualized. Probably almost every practice, although you know we will do the traditional bullpen sometimes too to get ready for for games. I mean, because there's there's there are times where you just have to do that. Definitely, and that's a great answer. Uh, something that I want to ask is, and something that I really struggle with is teaching command. So, can mm-hmm. is that something that we can really teach, or is it just something that the kids have to learn on their own? That is a that is a fantastic question because uh, I've gotten to this with my and and I asked a I asked a coach. My son was being uh, was on a recruiting visit and and I just asked because I I felt like asking the same question. I was like, so do you teach? You seem to be talking about command a lot. Do you are you teaching command? What are you doing for command or or what? And he's like, no, I actually recruit for command because I don't think I can teach it. I was like, oh, interesting. Um, because I actually do think you can. I mean, there are ways of teaching it. Again, I, I think our, what my focus on the mental approach, because I think a lot of people can't mentally get out of their own way and can't let them be an athlete while they're out there. They, they're they thinking too much and they get nervous if they throw a ball and that they're going to throw another, they're going to get pulled from the game or, or whatever, just ways of dealing with it, breathing exercises, things that clear their head. So some of it I think is mental, especially with high school kids. They, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they, uh, you know, it, it could be a, a variety of different things. Um, but some of it is consistency in mechanics. Obviously, some of it is strength. Um, some people aren't strong enough to to throw the ball in the same places where, where where they want it to go. They just don't have the physical capability to do it. And 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 others, it's I think some things you can do are throwing uh, weighted balls at targets. I, I know uh, Kyle has done that some too at, at at driveline. But if you throw different weighted objects and try to hit the same target, it allows you to feel adjustments um, and to, to, to make changes is really tough to do. I mean, you're throwing a, a, to throw a three ounce ball and a eight ounce ball and have them both go to the same target. You have to make adjustments in height, make adjustments in, in arm speed, make adjustments in, in just touch. And a lot of it comes down to, it's such a small, I mean, I think players don't understand how small a, a difference it is throwing a, a, strike on the outside corner to a ball that is way off the plate. They think that they have to make a big adjustment to do it. And it's really, we're talking about like a quarter, almost like it's like an eighth of an inch, I think. Um, so you can, it's almost has to be done by feel or by eyesight and not done by deliberately throwing a ball to the outside corner versus the middle of the plate versus the inside corner. It's, it's, it's so subtle of a difference. And I think players think that they have to make a bigger adjustment. That's why when you see, you see people miss by so much, is they're trying to hit the outside corner, but they end up off by three feet, or they're trying to throw low and they bounce it, or they're trying to throw high and they throw it over someone's head because they don't understand how little of an adjustment it is. So some of it is just purely understanding and practice, um, but there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. And and not that I have a magic answer, but I have been able to, to cure some folks, uh, issues, especially like with yips or something like that too. We had a, had a catcher that had the yips and was able to to get help them get rid of it, which I was pretty pretty proud of myself i didn't know that i could do that man that's that's got to be the worst having a uh, catcher having the oh yeah. yeah dude it was it was i mean he he was this, this was a senior and he was going to get pulled as catcher and i'm like and but nobody understood it they just thought he wasn't able to throw and i took him aside and i said i know what's going on i said you're not it's not because you can't throw it's because you're mentally you I mean because you're you're mentally blocking yourself you're nervous about throwing it away it's like yeah and having somebody understood it <laughs> And then we practice it. I said, all right, well, you know what? Change your grip a little bit. Just do something a little bit different. And I'm going to stand right here. 
and we're going to throw, and you're going to throw to you're going to throw to your uh, to the pitcher, and I'm going to stand here, and you're not going to want to hit me, but you throw it as hard as you can, and just change your grip, or change this, or change, and and instead of thinking about throwing it back to somebody, now he starts thinking about his grip a little bit, or start it's feel it's a little just taking him out of that situation where he was nervous, and changing it into a new situation really helped him, and all of a sudden it didn't happen again for the rest of the season, but it happened for a few games. And it was, it was, it was strange to see. And he didn't, and, and coach didn't know how to deal with it. Our head coach didn't know how to deal with it because he hadn't seen it. I mean, you know, just throw the ball back. And you want to say that, but it doesn't work because in, in, in the, in the kid's mind, he's saying, throw the ball back. That doesn't, that's, that's not the problem. He's putting too much pressure on himself. Not enough. Putting more pressure makes it worse. Basically, you're saying just throw strikes, which is one right, of my favorite sayings from the stands. <laughs> oh God. I, I, I outlawed that in our dugout. I mean, I'd, I'd refuse to. If someone says that, I just—I mean, I lose my mind. One of the few things that makes me that sets me off. I'm like, really, really? What do you think he's trying to do? Do you think he's trying to? You think he doesn't realize he just walked four guys in a row? I mean, it's uh, pretty obvious. I, I really wish that if somebody said that, the pitcher just stepped off the rubber and just, you know, just said no expletive <laughs> and just. Oh, I would just lose it. I would just, oh man, I would, I would laugh so hard. Yeah. You hear that all the time with parents. I mean, the parents don't know any better. They're just like, yeah, just, just throw the ball to his glove. Like, yeah, that's really easy too. Have you ever tried to do, I mean, you do like coach pitch or something, pitching to kids or, or in BP sometimes. I, I will lose the spot where I'm throwing it. I'm trying to throw it over the plate, but sometimes and you can't. And especially if somebody, if other people are watching me, and then all of a sudden I'm bouncing the ball and, 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 and I'm putting pressure on myself. I mean, I, I love that the weighted ball, the trying to, to implement kind of underload, underload, or underload and overload training and trying to be able to feel that. The only other things that I, and you may be, be able to correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong or, you know, or just say that, you know, I'm in the right track, but just starting with playing catch, throwing to a target. I mean, that's, that's the most simple thing and just really hammering that home. But we also started bullpens where they would throw five in a row to a particular spot. And I think I got that from Lance uh-huh. Wheeler and they would just have to make small adjustments on whatever, wherever they'd miss. So if they, they hit the target, you know, I'd say, Hey, that's great. You know, and just try and reinforce how that felt. So how did that feel? But just being able to throw to a consistent spot a couple of times in a row, helped them, I think feel around it because, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this, of scripting bullpens where it's like, one here, one here, one here, one here, one here, and they're just constantly adjusting, and it's really hard to feel uh, the difference between them if you're not throwing to a to a particular spot because you're throwing to different spots. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes 100% sense, and I think feel is something that a lot of people don't realize uh, plays in the game as, as, as much as it does, and I know Lance is big on it, and it's 100% true. Uh, it's all, and, and, and it's one of the things I was kind of trying to get at with the amount of difference between an outside and inside strike, it's all about feel. It's about your fingertips, it's about knowing how it feels when it comes off. And if you do several ones in a row and you can feel it and you get used to that feeling, uh, that's, that's important stuff. I think that's a great way of, that's a great way of doing it. So what are your thoughts on, uh, the term absolutes? Are there any? Yeah, everybody throws the same, the same baseball. Um, and they're standing out of the mound. But other than that, I don't, I mean, I'm, I shy away from it and that's, Literally one of the reasons why I put a lot of the stuff out there on, on Twitter, everybody, you know, and and I see some of the comments like, yeah, this guy's got great mechanics. Well, he's got great mechanics for, for him. And that's not why I put him out, why I put that player out there. I put that player out there more because I needed, I I was curious, uh, 
you know, for t- today, I, I tweeted out Matt Bush, for example. I didn't realize Matt Bush was five listed at five nine, which means he's probably more like five seven, and he's throwing you know ninety eight to hundred miles an hour. He's got to be doing something something right for him for some of the smaller guys I see out there that that uh, want somebody to model themselves after or, or just have an idea of how a guy that height can throw that hard. He would be somebody to look up to. Pardon the lack of pun, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, and then sometimes I'll pick out a, a, a tall guy or a side armor. Uh, but the biggest thing I think you can get out of it by looking at it is there really aren't that many absolutes. I mean, there are there are a bunch of people to throw a bunch of different ways and they're, they're maximizing it for their strengths. They are either a fast moving person. They have strong lower half. They have a lot of, uh, mobility and flexibility, like someone like, like, uh, like sale who is like Gumby. Um, but then there's some shorter, you know, tighter rubber band guys. I mean, I, I like a Craig Kimbrell who throws, uh, it throws differently and not a tall guy, but throws hard as crap. Um, you have Araldus Chapman who's, crazy mobile and strong and relatively tall at six, four, um, and moves really fast. And that's why he throws. So, I mean, he does, he has probably every advantage he can have and he's a lefty, but there's, there's just, uh, there's so many different ways to get it done. And there's so many, even when it comes to pitch grips, I mean, that's why I put a lot of that out there as well is you can try and try different things. I mean, you see a knuckle curve, you see a traditional curve, you see sliders, you see cutters, you see, uh, you know, fastballs that are moving in all sorts of different ways. You see Marcus Stroman getting a fastball that moves like a changeup that's throwing 95 miles an hour. How's he doing that? Well, he he does a little finger manipulation on the ball. Some people can't do that. They don't have the touch for it. They don't have the finger flexibility for it. But if you do, you may want to try it. Um, so I see so few absolutes uh, other than they're, they're, just, they're just different ways to get it done. For, I, I mean, for your specific, there may be an optimal way for you you specifically to throw to get the most out of what you do and your your unique capabilities and and uh, god-given talents and things that you've worked for but i don't think there's an absolute for everybody i don't think randy johnson throws like uh like tom gordon flash gordon or like uh you know like craig campbell or billy wagner um they're just different they i mean if i were randy johnson i would be using my height and 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 using my long limbs and generating power that way if i'm billy wagner i'm probably using my my humongous legs and the fact that I can move really fast and my, and my arms kind of, my shoulders kind of hypermobile. So they have different ways of getting it done. And I don't think there's one way to get, I mean, and I don't think there's one magic way this to throw to not get hurt either. I mean, it's, it, if there was more people would be doing it. Well, that makes uh, too much sense, <laughs> really. Yeah. It just drives me crazy sometimes. And that's one reason why, I, I mean, again, it's a big reason why I put that out there. And a big reason why I got into coaching is, is I hear too many, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, this is the way you do it. You, you do this and you do that. I'm like, okay. I mean, they kind of make sense when you say it, but I see you're teaching pitching and you're six foot four. What am I going to do with my kid? That's, that's five foot eight. Am I going to tell him to use his height and to get to a balance point and move slowly and do all the, like, no, he's got to, he's got to move fast. He's got to use his, 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 you know, some, some shorter people can throw harder because they can move faster. So use that. Don't slow me down. Move faster. No, oh, definitely, and I and I have experienced that this year. We I'm I'm five nine, mm-hmm. and we have a kid who is. We just did measurements the other day, so pre testing, and he was six six without shoes on. <laughs> so you can imagine how tall he is. But you know, halfway through the year, he's asking me, you know, what what can I do? What can I do? And I and I said, you know, I let's figure it out together because I have no idea mm-hmm. 
what it's like to, to be 6'6". I, I have no idea what you're feeling. So what are, tell me what you're feeling because he was struggling a little bit and, and you know, we we're trying to figure it out. And so we just went through that process together. And, and I mean, that was the best way I knew how because I have no idea what it feels like to be that tall, you know. And so, right. And, and, and you know what? I, I think a lot of coaches, they want to feel like they can't be they, like they know the answers and like they 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 don't want to be wrong. They don't want to let show any weakness. So they, they would sit there and go, well, this is the way I would do it. I mean, you're going to have to move this way. You have to do this way. Or they don't want to they don't want to question things. They don't want to question what they were taught. So they only have one way of doing it or they don't want or they want to just demand the pitcher to move a certain way. The fact that you were sitting there going, you know, what? I really don't know. And 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 I don't know what you're feeling, but let's figure it out is is to me a, a better way of doing it. And I, uh, and I think the pitcher will get more out of it and you'll get more out of it. You're willing to learn as opposed to being closed minded and saying, you know, this is the only way to do it. This is the way to get it done. This is what I was taught. Right. I mean, that seems like a better way to do it to me. So what are your thoughts on off-season training versus in-season training? Are there di- what are the differences? The biggest difference for me is, is what, I t- what I focus most of my players on in, in off-season is, is getting stronger getting, and, and, and getting faster. Um, so we do a lot, of, it's a lot of weight training. We will do some weighted ball stuff for the folks that, that, are, you know, that, that, that I feel like they need it. But being athletic, being, being stronger, and, and, being, and don't be afraid to eat. I mean, I see a lot of people that they, uh, they don't take in enough, enough calories. They think they're at, a, at, a, at the proper weight to pitch. And while mass doesn't 100% equal gas, it certainly doesn't, doesn't hurt. And if you can add some extra strength and, and, and size, to me, that's the, the best thing you can do in the, in the offseason. And then some general, I, I think that's a really good time for weighted balls or med ball type stuff where you're working on, on just slowly getting a movement pattern that is optimal for you. So your body, letting your body start to organize it itself into movement patterns that, that make sense. I mean, you can use a core velocity belt like Lance does. You can do, uh, I think it's harder to do that in season because look, as a high school coach during in season, I'm trying to get my, I mean, I'm trying to teach my kids something, but I'm also trying to get them to the point where we can use them in games and we can hopefully have successful outcomes while also in making sure that they're moving ahead with their careers and getting, you know, getting recruited if they want to get recruited or at least uh, getting, getting time on the mound if they want to get time on the mound, um, if that was their goal. So it's, it's a combination of uh, in season getting player goals to meet my team goals. And if I can help my player goals align with my team goals, then I'm going to have a successful season in the off season. It's about getting you to the point where, we're going to be closer to what I need to do to get your, you know, to, to, to get to the to game type uh, atmosphere. It's very hard to teach general mechanics during the season because they're going to, they're going to all go to crap during a game anyway. I mean, when pressure hits them and they have to throw a fastball over the plate and throw it hard, they're not going to be able to repeat their mechanics. If they just started doing it during, during, you know, when, when practices started, they have to be working at them in the off season, have to have the additional, uh, muscle that they put on in the off season. You can't really do that in, in, in season as much, you know, it, it's too crammed in. They have schoolwork, they have everything else. Um, you can work on it to improve it a little bit. You just can't overhaul things like you can in the off season. Uh, what would a, an ideal week look like? So say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you have the kids for, uh, let's say an hour and a half. How would you use that? So, um, for a kid in the off season, we'll do, you know, 
probably plyo balls and and uh, and weighted ball throws. So do maybe max throwing one time a week. So maybe on a Wednesday, let's say. Uh, so we'll go through a, a weighted ball progression and then uh, down to a regular baseball, just full pull down, gunning them, just letting their body their body work. We'll do some wrist weights, say on on uh, maybe on a Friday uh, to get to just work on general arm patterns. They'll do weightlifting. Uh, probably, usually, we'll do upper body, lower body, alternating, um, kind of every day with one day off during during the week. Um, it usually depends on what their schedule tends to be, and then every day some kind of idea of of uh, taking in po- proper nutrition. I mean, I I recommend. I actually have the shake concoction that I've recommended and given to a number of players that seems to work, but it's using a combination of protein powder, ice cream, fair life chocolate milk. I don't want to give an ad out for somebody, but it, it tends to be pretty good uh, milk and and peanut butter and mixing it all in there as a as a shake that tastes really good. But it also gain weight and helps them gain get in proper uh, nutrition to make some of this these this weightlifting uh, strength training take shape. We also do some degree of uh, of sprints or or jumping stuff. So maybe you would do that on on the days that you would you're doing the uh, lower half work. Then we uh, med ball throws. So some some days where we're doing so we're doing plyo balls on say. Uh, you know, a, a Monday, we also may do some med ball throws. They're really working on big muscles using your lower half and, and upper half and syncing them up. And I think I've, I've, I've probably posted some of those out there on, on Twitter. But always using a, a, a radar gun because looking for max intent on these. Um, and that's something that a lot of people don't do. You may do uh, med ball throws, but if you're gunning them it, it and you're trying to beat your previous record while keeping some degree of semblance of, of proper form on these throws so uh you know that that's one key but but it 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 creates uh it lets your body organize itself to the optimal way of uh, of moving with respect to big muscles so we do a lot of med ball throws too in the off season and it really depends i mean it depends on when we work those in how the player feels i mean you know there, there are obviously days where where you can do a lot, get a lot more done and a lot less done and how much time they have so um i you know ideally we 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 have a, a schedule, but it's really uniquely tailored to that, to that player. So it's kind of hard to to have a one-size-fits-all. And it really depends on what they need to work on. I mean, some kids' strength, every once in a while, you find a kid that has really good strength. They just need to work on speed and, and, and mobility. The off-season is approaching, and uh, I'm always looking to, to revamp uh, anything that I'm doing, and I'm sure most good coaches uh, do that as well. So thank you for, uh, for throwing that out there for us. No, my pleasure. So uh, the last couple things before we go uh, is called the advice section. And so what is the latest thing learned that you're really excited about? A lot of the stuff, I mean, I, I think that, that uh, I personally am a big fan of a lot of the stuff that, that Driveline is doing. And I always keep track of the new uh, kind of ways that they're going about doing things. I think they're willing to be open-minded on stuff. I think spin rate um, and efficient spin is some some real interesting things like the Repsoto uh, device is exciting to me. Being able to measure th- things in you know right after you throw a pitch, trial and error, trying to figure out uh, you know hey how much efficient spin did this this ball have? I think that stuff's really interesting to me. Anything measurable to me seems to be the way to to way to go both with respect to producing force 
as well as as things like like spin rates. So to me, that's that's a trend that I'd like to see more coaches take avail take take uh, advantage of. I'm um, and the same thing with using a a gun to get feedback on on almost any drill or using a stopwatch. Having accountability and having uh, goals and measurability, I think, is 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 important stuff. I mean, you clearly have have it with respect to lifting. Uh, you know, you put on more weight, you do whatever, but, but people don't do it with respect to throwing as much or with respect to other things that involve, you know, you run a sprint. Well, how fast was that sprint? I mean, I'd like to see you run a 15 yard sprint and measure it every time. I mean, try and beat your record, try and go the, the competitive drive will cause you to be better over time and to keep improving. So that's the, that's the exciting part is I think things are getting more measurable nowadays with, with, uh, you know the various the various uh, inventions that are that are coming out there. So I think uh, I think that's what I would I would say was the thing I'm most excited about. Well, obviously those are great devices, and I'm all in with anything that you can measure because if you can measure it, you can improve it. And and it helps you as a coach. I mean, you can you can say, hey, you know, you're a little slow here. You may want to for the whole summer. I want to see you you sprinting. And I mean, I have kids that are out there. That they're they're big, strong kids, but they're slow as molasses. So I'll say, you know, we're doing 15 yard sprints and you're doing 10 of them a day and you're going to, and send me your times and we're going to keep improving on that. Or you're going to work on your jumps and how high are you jumping? Well, how much force are you producing? Use it using force plates. I mean, there, there's, if you can measure it, you can improve it, but just by you, I mean, I think it should be all up to the athlete trying to, trying to improve on, and, and the competitiveness to try and beat what they previously did previously have done or beating whoever they're you know maybe they're working out with somebody and and they're they're challenging each other throwing is a competitive sport lift all this stuff is is is, uh should be about competition i like the idea of when you're throwing with somebody i know something lance really believes in is, is being being the person nobody wants to throw with um, so you're going out further than everybody. You're throwing harder than everybody. They're like, I don't want to throw at this guy because he's going to take my 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 hand off. Uh, you want to be competitive, and and I think when you start measuring stuff, it brings out that competition. Definitely, you measure what you treasure. And so, what is one thing that you once thought was true, but that might not be the case anymore? I would say uh, I once thought there was a such thing as as good pitching mechanics. Um, I once thought there was an ideal uh, there was an ideal way to throw, and and I am 100% the opposite now. I don't think there I think there's an ideal there may be a set of ideal ways that you may be able to throw personally um, that may change over time as you get stronger. There's a there's but there's no one specific way to get things done. I think that that's the big the big thing that that I've learned over the many years of of coaching. And and the other thing I, I I think is is the importance of not trying to it's a, it's it's a marathon and not a sprint. You it may maybe it may be made up of a series of sprints over your life, but you can't think of it as I'm going to fix something right away. You have to think of it as always looking to to improve on something. And if you if you do these little small things every day, a little bit of improvement over over a long period of time, all of a sudden you become great. And I mean, I've taken that personally, and I, and I didn't actually go into this. Probably what my coaching philosophy. And one reason why I do this every day is if I'm telling my players to get better every day, then I better be getting better every day as well. Not only, be, I mean, for for myself, but also for for my players. I mean, they're going to keep asking me questions. I I want to have the answers, or if I don't have the answers, I want to I want to find them out. But 
I can't tell my players to get better every day if I'm not getting better every day as a coach. So every day I will put something out there that either hopefully spark. I mean, if, if it doesn't bring interest out in the, in the community, at least it's bringing my own interest. At least I learned something from it and maybe no one else finds it interesting, but I found it interesting. I'll revisit people looking at pitchers mechanics and why is he moving that way? Or that was kind of odd. I didn't notice that, but something, um, get better. That I think is important. Otherwise I feel like I'm shortchanging everybody. I love that. And it sounds like you have a little bit of the compound effect mentality, which is something that, that I've talked to my players about. And I'm, I'm sure you've read that as well, but so just take, for instance, the other day we we're playing catch. And I said, so every, every time you throw a ball, you're either gaining feel mm-hmm. or you're losing it. And so just think of, of how important it is to consciously do everything you do at practice and how much, how much of a benefit that will be over the long term. So how many things that you can stack in a row and how much better you're going to be versus mind, mindlessly doing that. So, so I love that. And, and really, like you said, if, if we're not getting better for our kids and if we're not improving as coaches, then, then why are we doing it? We're doing a disservice to them. Yep, so I love hearing exactly. that. And just, well, just think in life. I mean, how much more do you know now than you knew 15 years ago? I mean, it's because it's not because you totally learned, went out there to learn it a lot. It's because you've experienced it and you've, you've gotten a little bit more experience every day and all of a sudden it's added up. So if you bring that to coaching rather than say, this is my way of doing it, I think you're going to find, be more successful. So what are some of your favorite resources that have shaped your coaching career? You know, Lance is a friend of mine. I think Kyle's stuff is, is fantastic. Kyle Bodie at, 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 at driveline, uh, Ben Brewster. I'm a big fan of, um, another friend of mine who, uh, his travel. I mean, again, I think he's done a lot. What basically what I did as a coach, he does as a player. He started as a, as kind of a, a, a crappy left-handed pitcher throwing seven, 72 miles an hour as a freshman. And I remembered talking with him on, on, uh, internet message boards about his, about his, uh, his pitching. And he he went and and studied everything. I mean, he tried every little thing, everything he could think of. Never took no as an answer. He was told by uh, by Paul Nyman that he would he would never throw ninety miles an hour. It just wouldn't. It just he just couldn't because it's he's too old now and, and he can't change his pattern, throwing pattern, and he just doesn't have the ability to do it. And he instead of what some people would do is just give up. And Ben's just not the type of person to give up. And he took that as a challenge. And he t- went from 72 to 95 as a, as a senior in, at Maryland. And now has, has a goal to throw 100. And I would never bet against the guy because, uh, you know, he's, he's just that type of guy who will continually work. And he puts out some really good, really good stuff. And, uh, you know, I've worked alongside him. And, and actually, I, he's one of the few guys I'd like to work with my son without me around. So uh, he's, uh, he's fantastic. Um, and I think he, he, he has a lot of, uh, a lot of good things out there, but, um, also just some of the stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm influenced a lot by pitchers out in the world and by, by folks on Twitter who may bring up different things, but I, I learn from watching other folks, um, a lot. And I will learn from every pitcher that I, that I put out there, try and figure out what they do either mentally or physically. And, uh, and I think that's a great resource and it also gives you a great check of, of, are these people teaching the right, the right things? Um, is there really one way to throw when I see people throwing totally different ways and they're very successful? Um, so that seems to be the answer would be no, but you know, I'd I'd like to give people the raw materials and they can do with them as they want. Um, so again, learning from, from 
individuals who are very talented. I think there's some there's some good stuff being done um, at uh, Ron Wolforth, Texas Baseball Ranch. There's there's a numeral numerous uh, numerous sources, and I try to have them all in my toolbox. I don't want I never have the not invented here mentality. I like to borrow from everybody and put them all together like a puzzle and figure out what's best for each individual pitcher. Rob, thanks again for being with us today. And I know there are, are some people that would love to get in touch with you. So where can we find you online? Email me at rob at pitching.ninja or find me at, at uh, Pitching Ninja on Twitter. Pretty much always available. I can't not let you go without asking you where the Pitching Ninja <laughs> came from. Oh, God. I, I, I think I just I, I came up with it one day. Um, I was kidding my, my son because he uh, he's, he's my wife is is half japanese so he's a quarter japanese so we were uh playing with names and and I, I think either one of his teammates or i called him ninja and i'm like you know what that's a good name and i kind of i kind of like that and i, I think uh being a pitching ninja would be a good thing and i didn't realize how much it was going to stick and now i'm called ninja everywhere i go pretty much at any baseball tournament or or high school game also i don't sell anything i don't know if you noticed that so i i, I can't even market it I mean, I, I do all my stuff for free. It doesn't help me with marketing. <laughs> you are definitely one of the good guys. And is there anything that you'd like to tell our audience before you go? We hit just about everything. I'm, I'm very. If, if there are any follow-up questions, I'm more than happy to, to answer them. I mean, that's it helps me learn. So ask away. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you'd like to view the show notes or get in touch with me, you can find all of that information on our website at aotcpodcast.com. Let me know if you have any requests for future guests or topics, and please don't forget to subscribe, rate, or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.